0: ...indeed be to our God alone. Join with me, friends, turning to the book of Philippians. The small book of Philippians. We'll be looking at chapter 1, verses 3 through 11 this morning as my farewell sermon. We've been the last couple of weeks looking at other passages in a three-part farewell sermon series. Today we've come to that last day, and I know no greater passage to communicate, to read with you, and to share thoughts with you about today than this particular passage. It captures, it captures my head. It captures my heart. My love and affection for you as the saints of Redeemer and for some of you that I see that are dear friends of mine, family of mine, uh, past members uh, of the church, uh, the affection that we share together, the joy that we have in the gospel of grace. Let's give our attention then to the reading of his word. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Friends, listen. Hear now the very word of God. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ alone to the glory and praise of God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. What do we know about God's word? The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Father, we have said that for the last 16 and a half years, and it shall be our statement until you come again in the fullness of your glory. For we are like grass and all the grass withers, the flowers fade, but you never wither or fade. You are the faithful one who knows no beginning and no end. Speak to us today, Father, and remind us that this is your promise to us, that you begin a good work in us. And the promise is that you will see it all the way to completion. And because that promise is yes and amen in Jesus, then our lives even today are filled with inexpressible joy to you. Seal this to us as you preach your word to us through this sinful, sinful servant, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please, friends, be seated. You probably know this by now after 16 and a half years as your senior pastor. I love roller coasters I'm like a small child when we go to an amusement park and there are two days that stand out in my mind as the best days of my life when it came to riding roller coasters. One was in Texas and one was in Virginia. They happened to have many months in between, a few years in between the two events, but both of them were similar in this way. We got to the park when everybody else was still in school. We were on spring break or had just gotten out for summer. And the, the city that we were in hadn't done so yet, so the park was virtually empty. Have you ever been to an amusement park when, when you've had the whole place to yourself? It was this way. We would get on a roller coaster, and we would ride all the way ups and downs and loops and hoops and all of the different things. We would come into the little hut at the very end. Nobody would be standing in line, so the control operator just pushed the button and zoom right on through. We would go again. We would hoops and loops and here and there. Uh, and then it would come all the way back around again, twice that's happened in my 56 years of living, and both times it was absolutely phenomenal, just kept going, kept going, but all the good things must come to an end, and you know, that second time we would come back through, there would still be nobody there, but he would stop the car the second time through. Or I would be thinking in my mind, I want to get off because I've ridden this one two or three times now. I'm ready to go to another one and maybe we'll get to do the same thing. So either he changed his mind and he brought it to an end for us. Or I changed my mind and I decided I was done with this and I didn't want to do that anymore. And I was ready to move on to a, another roller coaster and hope that I could ride it two or three times as well. That, that really, in, in, let, me, let me connect the dots here for you because I'm going to say that, that that's really the situation that we have here in Philippi, the Apostle Paul. He's telling us that our lives ought to be filled with this inexpressible joy even in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of pain, in the midst of times when things are happening that we really don't like happening. We allow situations, friends, listen, we allow situations in our life to dictate when we are going to give thanks and when we're going to be filled with joy, and we allow other situations in our life to rob us of that joy. If things are going along smoothingly, they're going along nice, everything's happy, everything is, uh, is, is uh, peachy keen for us, to, to take Mark Landbaum's uh, response. If everything is peachy keen in your life, then you're filled with joy. It's just nothing but excitement, right? But sometimes conflict comes, sometimes pain comes, sometimes a bad diagnosis comes, sometimes death comes, sometimes a senior pastor resigns and leaves the church. And even in those times, friends, we can be filled with inexpressible joy because of the gospel, because of the promise that God gives to us that he who began a good work in us is going to see that work all the way to the day of completion. They cannot take away my resurrection. I don't care how bad life gets here and it gets bad It cannot rob you of the joy that is yours because of the certainty that if you are in Christ, you have the promise of eternal life with him forever and ever. That is the grace of the gospel that the Lord gives to us today. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Look at it in verse 4 and 5. We ought to be filled. I am filled with joy because of this partnership that I have from the very first day until now. And I'm confident that he who began this work is going to continue that work. This is my text about you today. From the first day to the last, I have been filled with joy because of our partnership together in the gospel of grace, grace upon grace. Why? Because of the promise that he gives to us that he who began that work, we didn't begin that work, he began that work, and he who began that good work in us will see it to the day of completion. The book of Philippians, the summary of the book, I like to give you one-word summaries. The one-word summary of the book is joy. Sixteen times throughout the book, there is a form of the word joy or rejoice. Sixteen times. Seventeen times in chapter one, we read the name Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul is saying. From the very beginning, our joy is found only in the foundation of being in Christ Jesus alone. If you are in the gospel, then you are in Christ. He is in you, and you are in Him. And if that defines you, then your life is filled with joy, even in difficult situations, even in hard times. The pain of today is real for me. Sixteen and a half years I've served as your senior pastor. This has been... The hardest day of my life even waking up this morning in the comfort of a very close friend's house and getting ready putting on my tie thinking this is the last time I'm ever gonna wear one of these stinking things ever again (laughs) and yet I've just experienced a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory because of the gospel we have partnered together in this gospel we have shared life together so the words of Archbishop of Canterbury back in the 60s, his name was Jeffrey Fisher, he said this, the longer I live, the more convinced I am that Christianity is nothing more than one long shout of joy. I shout for joy today, even in a very painful, difficult situation because he who began that work in you and began that work in me gives us this promise and here is grace. Here is grace. He who began that work in you will carry it on to the day of completion. Our opening verses 3, 4, 5, and 6 really give us the indicative and the imperative. The indicative is what it is that has been done for us, the declaration. And that is that he who began a good work in you will see it to the day of completion. There's the promise of the gospel. It's about Him and what He has done for you. It's about Jesus and what He has done for you. That's the indicative. The imperative then is this that our lives ought to be filled with joy as we partner in this gospel from the first day until the last. Here is the response of today a day of pain, a day of heartache. He who began a good work in us will see it to completion. He's not going to abandon you, friends. He's going to carry this church on in faithful proclamation of this gospel and the joy that it brings to us. So what Paul does here from that indicative imperative in 3, 4, 5, and 6, then in in verse 7 and 8, he gives us an explanation of his joy that's in his heart. He says that in verse 7, look at it. It's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart he says. So he starts there with the expression of joy that he gives and thanksgiving to his heavenly father that has moved his heart, that has changed his heart. Let me give you a very, very brief context uh, since we're not moving line by line in this book like we typically do. The events of, of, uh, of the church starting in Philippi can be read in, in Acts chapter 16. That was the passage that I quoted in the baptisms this morning. In Acts chapter 16 we read that Paul and company, there's no church in Philippi. They come into Philippi. It had been under Roman rule since 2, century, or two BC. So it was filled with Gentiles, filled with Romans. There was no, there was no Jewish synagogue there. So not having a place to, to go for prayer, he goes outside the city to the river looking for a place to pray. And he comes in contact with women that are there. And Paul begins to share the gospel with them. He begins to tell them about why he is so filled with joy... ...because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And this passage tells us that God opens the mind... ...opens the heart of Lydia to hear that gospel and to receive that... ...and then he baptizes she and her whole household. They're walking around then later in the the account... ...they're walking around in the streets... And there's a woman filled with a demonic spirit behind them that shouts louder and louder and louder, These men are servants of the Most High God. She keeps shouting it and shouting it. Until Paul gets so tired of this, he just turns around and says, Out demon, out ghost. And Out she comes. And the owner of this slave girl was using her to profit to make money By those people that would see what she was doing, and now the evil spirit was gone, he had lost his income. He turned on Paul and company, threw them, beat them, and threw them into jail. And what did Paul and Silas do? They broke out into song. They broke out into, and can it be that I should gain? Being good Presbyterians, they sang with joy inside their their prison cell because even in this situation, it didn't rob them of the joy that was theirs. And he captures that. Look at it. We didn't read this passage, but look at verse 1. He captures it in two words, the way he refers to himself and the way he refers to them. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ servants bond bondsmen literally translated those that are connected bonded together to whom to all the saints hagios the holy ones the set apart ones the ones snatched out of darkness into glorious light and so he is saying my heart is is filled with joy because I am a bondsman with you I'm a servant you're you're a saint and we are connected together by this one gospel that was back then that's what filled him with joy but look at the foundation servants of christ jesus to the saints of christ jesus that are in christ jesus in philippi in christ 164 times the apostle paul uses that phrase in his 13 books in the new testament he's talking about our union with christ christ in me Me in Christ. I am already in part at the right hand of God the Father because Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of God the Father today. So I am in part already at the right hand of God the Father because he who began a good work in me will see it to the day of completion. Grace. You see why it's my favorite word. But look what he says to I thank my God, and here literally translated verse 3 would read like this. I thank my God for remembering you. I thank my God for remembering you. So Paul is saying it's not that, oh, you just popped into my mind, so I'm thankful. But he's saying I'm thankful for you because we have shared life together. Because I am a servant and you are a a, a saint. And this gospel that connects us together, I'm always filled with joy. I'm always thanking God For you, you will always be in our hearts, Jennifer's heart, my heart. You will always be in my heart, our hearts. Because we are partners in this gospel that he has given to us. It's all about grace. It's what I've told you for 16 and a half years. We're set apart by grace. We are made alive by grace. We are united to Christ by grace. And we persevere by grace he who began a good work in you will see it to the day of completion and that brings me great joy great joy it started friends the affection that's what Paul is talking about this it's right for me to speak this way because of my affection for you my heart has been motivated ours began the day we candidated in, in Redeemer 17 years ago We got a call pastoring in St. Louis, Missouri. Somebody had put my name, I know who the scoundrel was, that put my name into the search committee for Redeemer. I got a call. We talked on the phone for a while, a candidating trip, and Jennifer and I got back on the plane after the candidating trip and said, we are not drawn to this place because of the beautiful mountains and the fly fishing streams that are around us because they're not there. We are not connected to this huge body that I should Deserve to be the pastor of, you know, scores of scores of people would want to listen to me. There were about 50 people here. We weren't drawn to this beautiful facility. We were in the Holiday Inn, for the love of Pete. On 75, we got back in the airplane and said, we are connected, drawn to this place because of those 50 people. It was an instant connection, a hand in the glove from the day that we began our candidating process We've been partners in this gospel. Now Paul says we could fill, be filled with joy even if we're in chains. We had a period of chains, didn't we? I call it the Holiday Inn. We were really filled with chains. Do you remember for those of you that were there? Show of hands. How many were still there? Oh my gosh, we had more than I thought we did. Holiday Inn. Remember Madison's Bar? right next door in the Holiday Inn, we, would get, we set up a children's Sunday school class in Madison's bar. And it, it stunk of cigarette smoke from the night before and stale tap beer, cheap beer. It stunk. We put children inside this bar where they, where they hurt. That, that's chains, I'm telling you. That's in chains for the gospel's sake. Do you remember those panels that we carried? The cubicles that would set up offices, you know, those are, you have to have a a screwdriver, electric screwdriver to put them together and you're supposed to put them in place and then leave them alone in your company. We took them down every single week. We put them together, 60 pounds of panel. We couldn't get anybody to serve on the setup team because nobody wanted to carry these panels. And then the ladies would just throw a white tablecloth over everything to make it look pretty. These beat-up old tables looked hideous, but oh, we could throw a white tablecloth over it, and it sure looked nice. You remember the one time a year when we would have to have church around the boxing ring that they set up in the Holiday Inn? In the room that we rented, they came in and put a boxing ring up with the with the ropes and everything, and we had theater in the round, we had church in the round from everybody <laughs> Or the time they would twice a year have a knife show, and they would say, "Well, we're going to put these tables of knives around the side. We'll just throw tablecloths over them." I'm like, "No, we've got little children running around in there. You can't have knives all over a table just hidden by a tablecloth. They're going to pull, These are covenant kids. They're going to rip that tablecloth off. I promise." Or the pro, the the. The topper, here's the topper. We used to use room 101, a, a, a hotel room for another Sunday school class. And Bob Burgess, God love this servant, Bob Burgess went to the front desk one day, got a key, went over to room 101. We always opened it up. We took out the bed, we took out everything so that we could have the whole room. He opens the door, and a husband and wife are laying in bed. <laughs> what the heck is going on here? Is this guy. Uh chains man those were chains (laughs) days of chains yeah but look what Paul says whether i am in chains or whether I'm defending and confirming the gospel the Lord in his great mercy he began a good work in us he brought us out of those chains to the place of defending and confirming we confirmed that gospel at Reuben Johnson Elementary School we served the staff the faculty and staff of that school every single year with meals and opening up our nursery on Valentine's Day for the staff to bring their children where we could where we could babysit their kids so husbands and wives could go out. We confirmed that this gospel in us was at work, alive and well. We went from a, a freezer, deep freezer in the holiday, into a trailer where we had panels that were made out of PVC and canvas and they were really light. And all of the bonding that took place around that setup every single day. And we defended the gospel to our new neighbors around Reuben Johnson as we hosted VBS in the playground out at the school, Reuben Johnson Elementary School. And we would go door to door sharing the gospel. And then at Christmas time, remember how we would go around singing Christmas carols? We defended the gospel one particular day. I'll never forget this. Bob Burgess again. He's always in the context of the story. He knocks on the door, and we start singing joy to the world or something, and some little eight, nine-year-old boy opens the door, and we're singing Christmas carols, and he said, We're Muslims. We don't do Jesus. Bam! And he slammed the door. (laughs) And we thought to ourselves, what what do we do now? We just kind of looked at each other and kept singing. And we didn't leave. We just kept singing all these songs that we had sung to all the neighbors. They needed the gospel and they heard it in our singing. Mm -hmm. We confirmed that gospel as we sung songs to them. Friends, my heart is filled with joy. My heart is filled with joy for you. We have shared life together. We have shared lots of things together. And oh, All the joy that has flooded my soul because the the context is that he who began a good work knit us together and we'll see it to the day of completion. So Paul then moves in verse 9 from his heart to his head. He gives us a, a picture of the expression of joy that he is filling his life because of what he knows right up here in his mind. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge, in insight, and that you would discern what is right, what is pure, and what is blameless. What is he saying? He's saying this, friends. I know right here this gospel of grace actually has transformed your life. That's what Paul is saying. It's not just simply a head knowledge. It's not just friends, you can know Jesus in your head and know that he lived, but if he hasn't touched your heart, you're not a Christian. You need Christ. He'll seal to your mind that your heart Has been completely changed. When you see your sin for what it is and that you can never satisfy justice, divine justice, by pulling yourself up out of the pit, you'll never do that. But when He does that for you and He changes that heart of of stone and makes it a heart of flesh, your heart is transformed, then He will seal by the power of His Spirit that it's all about grace, it's all about what He has done for you. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I know now in my head that this gospel is working in your hearts because I see it. And and I want you to know more of it. I want it to abound more and more, this insight, this knowledge that you can discern what is pure and blameless, pure. The word there in the Latin form of the word is sincere, from which we get our word sincere. And literally translated, it means sun-dried with wax, And what they would do is this. They would take pots like they did at Corinth, clay pots, and when they would crack, they would smear a little bit of wax in there, let the sun dry it so that you couldn't see it, and they would sell you the pot. But after you got the pot home, that sun-dried wax would begin to contract and shrink, and then it would begin to leak, and the pot was worthless. And so Paul is saying to them, you're not a cracked pot with just a little bit of fake wax on it. The treasure in jars of clay, as he tells the church at Corinth, is the gospel that he will begin a good work and you will see it to completion. He's saying, don't walk around outside there acting like you're a clay pot that isn't broken when you're really broken. But be sincere that the gospel actually changes us. That there would, oh, the day that there would never be the accusation that the church is filled with hypocrites. We are, but that's Paul's point. If the gospel grabs your heart, then he's sealing to your mind that it's pure and blameless. The Greek word there just simply gives us an understanding of our motives, not our actions. That our hearts have actually been transformed by this gospel of grace and we are living it out. That's what Paul was saying then. You're living this gospel out and that seals my head with great joy. And I'm saying the same thing to you today. My last Sunday with you. That you have a love and an affection for God's holy, infallible, and inerrant word. That it's not simply a game that we are playing. But you want to know the word of God. You have put yourself under the preaching of the Word of God. We have developed our studies based around the Word of God. We started Redeemer Day School because we wanted to instill the Word of God in these little students. Our philosophy of ministry is driven by word and sacrament so that we might have knowledge and insight so that we would live pure and blameless. Not simply that we would just have knowledge and insight, but that it would cause us then to have Live lives pure and blameless, uh, this righteousness that Paul says that comes from Jesus Christ to the glory and praise. I've walked with you for 16 and a half years, friends. I've seen this gospel alive and well within you. I've dealt with some of your marriages that were so stinky, I thought there would never be a way. There'd never be a way that this would be worked out. And you're here today as a testimony of God's grace that He who began a good work in you is seeing it to a completion. I've walked with some of you through illnesses, diagnoses, and I've seen the gospel lived out in you. I have walked with you, some of you, through the death of a spouse, a husband, a wife. And I have seen the gospel of grace alive and well within you. I have buried some of your children. And I've seen the gospel of grace lived out in you. It's not something that's just here. But because of here, the change of a heart, it seals to our heads that this gospel is real. And even in a painful day such as today, I'm filled with joy. My, my head explodes with great joy that he who began this work is not going to abandon you. He is going to see it to the day of completion. I remember two farewells as an early teen, maybe 13 or 14 years old, the first farewell, I don't know why this came to my mind this week. I was thinking, how am I going to end this sermon? i got to go out with a bang or something like that. What can I do? What, what are some farewells that I have seen? I, and this one came to my mind. The 70s, you remember when Richard Nixon was impeached from office? Uh, the only one that I was part of in my lifetime so far, who may have once, uh, well, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> But I'll never forget him standing on the, uh, the, before the TV, effective noon tomorrow, I will resign as President of the United States. You remember that? And then walking across the lawn up to Marine One, the helicopter, and he walks up the steps and he turns around and gives them the farewell. <laughs> and then he gives them two peace signs. There was anything but peace. It was utter chaos, deceit, deception, lies. And he's given them a farewell sign and a double peace when there was, there was no peace at all. I also remember at that same time, I, I used to watch the Carol Burnett show. I loved that show. Tim Conway and all of those. And every time she would end, remember, I'm so glad we had this time together. Just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started, and before you know it comes the time we have to say so long. She pulled on her ear like that to her mother, a tribute to her mother. I'm so glad we had this 16 and a half years together. We've been partners in the gospel from our heads and our hearts. And I'm so glad we've had 16 and a half years together. And I'm filled with joy in this partnership because of this right here. Because I am absolutely confident that he who began a good work in all of us is going to see it to the day of completion. Thanks be to God. So long. Let me pray. (laughs) Father in heaven, what a joy it is to know that you are ours and we are yours we are bought with a price because of your faithfulness to your covenant, because you are a loving, compassionate God who delights in filling us with your grace and mercy, delights in saving us from our sin, delights in reminding us and sealing to our minds that we are yours forever and ever. No one is going to snatch us out of your hand because we are doubly gripped in the hand of Christ, in the hand of God, forever and ever and ever. But Father, there's got to be somebody here that that's not their testimony. So I pray today that your spirit would so capture them and that they would so long for a completed work and that they would see that the completion only comes in what Jesus has already done for them. And today would be the day of their salvation. My day of departure and the beginning of their salvation. Do that work, Father. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.